0: Hey everyone, it's Erin, coming at you from the Fort Collins, Colorado Inn with this week's episode of In the Know, the Colorado Inn's weekly news podcast. We're coming back after a week off for the holidays, so I hope some of you also got some time off and I hope you've had a good start to the new year. It's officially 2018, uh, but I did wanna do a quick wrap up of some of the Colorado Inn's most engaged stories from the end of the year. So in the last couple of weeks of 2017, you all seemed pretty interested in our annual roundup of things to do on New Year's Eve in Fort Collins. There was also a story from our partners at Nine News that you guys liked about the Bureau of Reclamation cracking down on fishing at the well-known Toilet Bowl, a legendary fishing destination 45 minutes outside Aspen. A story from Nerd Wallet on how to whittle down debt did well, and so did a story on one of my favorite local Christmas time traditions. Every year, a mystery coin collector donates super valuable coins, South African Krugerrand coins, valued at around $1,500 each. Whoever it is, they drop the coins in Salvation Army kettles, and they've been doing so since 1998. So this year, two Krugerrand coins and one U.S. gold coin were found in buckets across Fort Collins, including at two King Super's grocery stores and one Walmart. Our most engaged story by far, though, was a follow-up by reporter Casa Niedringhaus on an October 19th shooting that left three dead, including the shooter, and one injured outside of a Fort Collins apartment complex. Michael Zamora ambushed his girlfriend, Savannah McNeely, and two of her friends as they were returning home from McNeely's 22nd birthday celebrations in the early morning hours of October 19th. He shot and killed Savannah and her friend, Tristan Kemp, and injured her childhood friend, Megan Durker, before turning the gun on himself. So when this story published online December 22nd, the Coloradoan had recently obtained a 236-page case report from the Fort Collins Police Services. And with that, a lot of details surrounding the shooter and the shooting emerged. Uh, so right now, I have Casa in our podcast studio, and she's going to run us through um, how this update kind of came about. Uh, so Casa, it's been a couple months now since the shooting, and I know a lot of people from the beginning have asked why. Why did this happen? What was the motive? Um, But this report that you obtained didn't answer that question. Um, Could you kind of run me through what exactly what details it did give? Yeah, so I know that was
1: one of the things that we were getting questions about from everybody and a question we had ourselves is why did this happen and what was the motive? And I think um, police just weren't able to really determine a definitive motive. There were things that they found in their interviews with victims and with witnesses and with family members, but they weren't able to point to one definitive thing and say this is what caused the shooting beyond that the shooter had a stockpile of semi-automatic Weapons and handguns, and he was able to use them. So, beyond that, they kind of had trouble answering that question. And I know that can be frustrating for people who are reading our coverage and wanting more, but. Um, Police put together this really thorough report and weren't able to figure out what that was Um, And so it did reveal a lot of other details though So I know another question we had is just what happened that night Um, What did they do we we knew they went out to the bars and we knew they came back But we didn't really know the timeline of events or where they were who they interacted with so that put a
0: lot more perspective together as far as the timeline of events Mm -hmm interim police chief Terry Jones um he said something at the end of this at the end of the story that said there's little sense to be made out of this one so is that kind of where this case stands now the the investigation is over the report is out um and there's just there's no more details there's there's no way to really nail down a motive
1: yeah, so at this point, the police investigation is closed, and that's why we were able to get a hold of the case report. So how it works is police will investigate. They're going to interview witnesses. They went through victims and the shooter's apartments. They were went through diaries. They collected text messages. They interviewed people who knew them and put together this report. And once that is done, they clo- they close the case, and then we requested the case report because you can't get it before the case is closed. And so that was part of the delay in us writing the story is um, they closed the case. case. I believe in November, we submitted a request for this in late November and didn't end up getting the report until late December, because there's a lot of back and forth with the records department, and they were really helpful, but part of it is that it's a criminal justice record, so they're not compelled to release it, Um, so they had to figure out whether or not they were going to release it, whether or not that would jeopardize anything, and then figure out what they were going to redact, so they ultimately redacted a lot of information about Megan Durker, the victim who survived,
0: um, because they wanted to protect her privacy moving forward so um, one thing this shooting definitely did was further the conversation that we at the Colorado and have been having around um, dating abuse partner violence here in Larimer County Um, the shooter Michael Zamora uh, was actually dating he was in a relationship with Savannah McNeely one of the victims Um, could you tell me a little bit about some of the follow-up reporting we've been doing here at the Colorado and you've been doing specifically um, around local domestic violence
1: yeah so we'd actually been looking at doing domestic violence reporting before this shooting happened and we'd been trying to figure out what we wanted to say and how we wanted to report that and I was actually at a domestic violence fundraising breakfast the morning I found out about this shooting so um, that really I guess pushed us to further that conversation and figure out what we could say and so some of the reporting we've done we did a story about domestic violence and kind of helping define people define that for people because we were seeing that they maybe didn't understand what that was both um, from an advocacy standpoint in terms of if you you were to go to Crossroads Safe House and get help and from a legal perspective if you're looking to press charges or go to the police. Um, So we did that, and then we also hosted uh, Brews and News at a local coffee shop to talk
0: about that as well. Um, And so... Cass's recent story about um, the update on this the shooting is online on ColoradoIn.com. And um, on all of the subsequent stories about domestic violence, we have some information on local resources for people who um, who need them, including uh, Numbers to Crossroads Safe House, uh, the Sexual Assault Victim Advocate Center, Sava, um, and Colorado State University's Women and Gender Advocacy Center. So head to ColoradoIn.com if you want to read um, any of the Coloradoan's uh, coverage on domestic violence. Um, and how you can get help here in Larimer County. So thank you so much, Kessa, for for coming on to another episode of In the Know. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, that's it for the main segment of this week's episode. I'll leave you with a look of what's ahead. And in this case, being the beginning of the year, there are a lot of, well, look-aheads. I put together a story on what entertainment offerings you can look forward to in 2018. Business reporter Pat Barrier will have a look at what Fort Collins' economic climate may look like in the new year. And reporter Nick Coltrane will have a legislative look ahead for us here in northern Colorado. So if you want to read any of those stories, keep an eye on ColoradoIn.com, And be sure to tune in next Thursday morning for another episode of In the Know.